Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, happy Friday to you. This is the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, and uh, we've been talking about that all week, and we'll get to it a little bit later. There's a bunch of uh, commentary from Secretary Anthony uh, Blinken, and um, we'll get to it. But, I mean, what's left to be said that hasn't been said? Joe Biden has abdicated his role as leader of the free world. Xi Jinping has picked up on it and says, hey, uh, I'll fix this, you know, and we'll, we'll try and square this away and call for a ceasefire. It's embarrassing to say the least. Uh, the special counsel is doing what we expected the special counsel to do. They're going after Jared. They're going after Ivanka. They're going after Pence. And they've never, ever stopped going after Trump. And uh, that will um, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit as well. We're also going to get to a couple of interesting things tonight. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, how Republicans are gearing up in of all places in New York City to go after the uh, Democrat Socialists of America, which uh, is expected to be an interesting fight. Uh, we're also going to talk about what's the latest with the Second Amendment. A lot of people are um, buying guns. There's a six and a half percent spike in gun sales uh, just from January and background checks, etc. So uh, we'll talk about that with a couple of experts on that. And I want to get into a little bit of uh, what to avoid, the kind of landmines that you can avoid in your relationship. Like what are some of the most toxic things you could say that could really ruin things for you. Because oftentimes I think many of us self-sabotage and we say things we shouldn't say. So uh, we're going to get to that as well. But I want to talk about this, uh, this headline here that Joe Biden says, at this point, I'm not planning to visit East Palestine, Ohio. Of course, there was this, you know, toxic um, spill after the train derailment. And President Joe Biden told reporters at the White House that he has no plans to travel to East Palestine, Ohio. And this happened uh, earlier today. Uh, we would have brought you the audio, but apparently he was next to Marine One. And it was like, you know, you know, all that type of noise that goes on there. So uh, we weren't able to get you that. But, uh, you know, he says, and it's a quote, at this point, I'm not, Biden said, when asked if he has any plans to visit the community uh, pointing instead to his administration's early and consistent response to the disaster. 
You know, so good thing he sent Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is holding it down for Joe Elbaboso Biden. So rest assured, everybody in East Palestine, everything is going to be okay. Your president hears you and he knows what's going on. Meanwhile, of course, we know President Trump was on deck doing what he did and uh, he was criticized for it. So Biden doesn't go and he, you know, he, he seemingly gets a pass. Trump shows up, brings, you know, 10,000 bottles of water and other types of uh, supplies and aid, and they criticize him, saying it's a photo op and whatnot. And I'd shared a, uh, um, a post from Lynn Patton. She's a Trump advisor, uh, from both in the administration and from the Trump organization. And it was an interesting um, juxtaposition of, of a photo of Biden and a photo of Trump saying, you know, Trump brought, you know, 10,000 bottles of water, this, that, and the other, and Biden brought zero. And I shared this on Instagram, and that's at Rich Valdez, by the way, and Instagram sent me two warnings saying that I was sharing something that lacked context and could potentially be misleading. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with them, but I just think it's so funny that, I mean, you just can't even share a post because they will come after you uh, because I guess, you know, independent fact checkers, you know, owned by Facebook. Uh, so they're not that independent, but they say that this could be uh, potentially misunderstood being that Biden's never been there. And uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see the, the missing context. Of course, you know, they're going to try and say there's missing context with uh, Biden authorizing FEMA to do this and authorizing Buttigieg to do that and authorizing this, that, and the other, and that he did in fact do something. So it's unfair. But when, when you look at that and you think, this is a meme, right? It's literally a, a, a meme on Instagram. And big tech is doing their best to make sure that I can't share it or that if I share it, it has a label on it in red that says missing context, really, really big. As if people are morons, as if people are buffoons, as if people don't know how to make up their own mind and figure out what's what, right? I mean, you know, if I go on there and I say, look, today I looked up and the, the sky was pink. It looked like pink cotton candy. One would uh, assume that you know enough to, to look up and do your own research and say, hey, this guy is full of crap. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. There's no pink cotton candy sky up here. I mean, that's what I would think. I mean, it's amazing. It just, it really does amaze me when people use satire, when people use um, hyperbole, when people use whatever they want in their speech that big tech can have a problem with it and say, no, 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 this is bad. This is somehow the wrong thing to do. Just uh, blows me away. Uh, but that's what's going on with... Uh, the uh, the latest uh, with Ohio here, and we'll, and we'll touch on that again as as more information comes in. There's a lot going on. You've got the uh, EPA administrator uh, Michael Regan, who's down there, and uh, lots of people are down there trying to make sure things get back in order. And that's I think everybody's number one concern. And I want to switch gears a little bit to AOC All Out Crazy. Now AOC All Out Crazy, my least favorite Congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. The, she um. She was threatened online by one of the January 6th rioters, and this individual uh, was sentenced today to three years in jail. This is a Texas man sentenced to prison for assaulting a law enforcement officer during the breach at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. His name's Garrett Miller, 36 years old, Richardson, Texas. He was sentenced in the District of Columbia to 38 months in prison on charges of assaulting a police officer interstate threat to injure or kidnap plus three counts of interfering 
with uh, law enforcement officials during a civil disorder, entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building, impeding ingress or egress in a restricted building, engaging in disorderly conduct in the Capitol building, impeding passage through the Capitol grounds, and demonstrating or picketing in a Capitol uh, building. Miller pleaded guilty to those charges back in December and uh, was now ordered to, um, to, um, to serve 38 months. So uh, that's what's going on with him. And it just it's interesting to me that the uh, AOC was one of many people that he threatened and he got in trouble for that. And the, and, you know, obviously she made a huge deal about it when it happened saying, oh, I was going to be, you know, she, she said, I think she said she was, she felt like she was going to be raped, uh, which was very odd. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel badly that she felt that way. But ultimately, it's the, this issue of crime. And this is something that she's turned a blind eye to right in her own backyard, right? She represents the Bronx and Queens in Congress, and she's never, ever really taken a strong approach against it. In fact, in Astoria, Queens, crimes is, crime has only gone up and up and up. So we're going to talk to a crime fighter when we come back. Make sure you don't miss this. We are <clears throat> excuse me, scheduled to have Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels, and he's going to tell us a little bit of what he's got going on in New York to take on the Democrat Socialists of America, including AOC, All Out Crazy. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. Now, we were just talking about January 6th, and it's interesting because January 6th, uh, there's been a lot of uh, interesting, I'm going to call it strange bedfellows, right? That's what the Washington Post would call it. You've got uh, Jamie Raskin, who's the son of Marcus Raskin, who was um, the founder of the Institute for Policy Studies, which was a known KGB front group to promote communist causes. And Jamie Raskin's not too far away from um, where, you know, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, if you will. And he was on MSNBC and uh, talking about all sorts of things, saying that, you know, there's there's an issue with respect to giving the McCarthy granting the January 6th footage to Fox News on, in an exclusive. And um, he says a number of things. There's a couple of cuts of it. Maybe we can get through them, maybe not. But uh, this one, in this clip, he says that they're working on legal regulations with respect to the J6 video. Um, and this is his conversation with Stephanie Rule. Listen to this. So is there anything you can do at this point to stop this content from becoming public? 
Well, I know that the minority leader, uh, Mr. Jeffries, is very concerned about it. I know that uh, the ranking member on the House Administration Committee, Mr. Morelli, is very concerned about it. And they are working to try to come up with some coherent uh, legal protocols and regulations for the treatment of this material. But, you know, speaking as the ranking member on the Oversight Committee right now, we don't know who's had access to it, under what conditions, and if any of the material has, you know, left the property of the U.S. Congress. We don't know that. And so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Mr. Jeffries will be able to work it out with Mr. McCarthy. Uh, but he, McCarthy is very clearly catering to the extreme MAGA wing of his party in doing this. So there you go. He's saying that uh, that this is bias, irrespective of any bias that may exist. It doesn't make a difference, right? The video will be out. They're just getting an exclusive. As soon as Fox runs it, CNN will grab it from Fox and play it on, on their airwaves if they choose to put out what's available. So I just find it um, just really interesting that they're going to make every excuse in the book to not allow the people to see what actually happened uh, on January 6th. It's, it's crazy to me. But he didn't stop there. He went on saying, look, we can't let people see this video because then they'll know exactly what they're going to do. And all the future insurrectionists are going to plan the next January 6th. Listen to this. Remember, we have security concerns about turning over the location of security cameras in the U.S. Capitol that the police use. We have concern about the escape and evacuation routes that were used on that day. We don't want to just you know, throw our hands up and say, well, let's just let everything go and let the insurrectionists have the materials that will allow them to plan the next January 6th. This cannot become a blueprint for the next insurrection, especially with so many of these people still out there. So clearly, uh, this is uh, where we are now. We have this whole situation where we don't know uh, we, we can't let anybody know what's going on. We can't allow this to happen because if they see the video, they're going to get involved and they're going to know what's going on. And this is um, this is to me laughable. It, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because this already happened. This stuff was uh, all over the news. We're just talking about different camera angles, the stuff that was inside the Capitol. It's not like you can't go on a Capitol tour and see what's going on inside the Capitol. So I don't understand why they would think that this is such a thing. But this is this is how crazy they are. And it's not just Jamie Raskin that's crazy. These people all make things up, just like AOC All Out Crazy, right? She She's one of those that makes things up as she goes along as well. And uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the crazy that she gets into. But I want to go to this clip of uh, Joe Scarborough because here he is hosting his show, The Morning Joke. And he says that he was so proud of Kevin McCarthy condemning uh, Donald Trump on January 6th. But then he backed down and groveled. Listen to this. Why am I why why are talking, talking about, about this? Oh, wait a second. He's releasing all the tapes. That's right. And then, Kevin, you went on the floor. You went on the floor and you rightly condemned Donald Trump. I was so proud of you. Finally showing some backbone. Finally showing some spine. Finally putting the safety of those that you work with ahead of your own, your own craven political ambitions. And then you back down. You backed down and you groveled 
and you went down and you shined his shoes and you got a picture Somebody taken. Shine your face, uh, Joe Scarborough is his. He's beyond clownish at times. And just like um, uh, Raskin before him and just like AOC all out crazy, right? They, they all make things up. And it reminds me of a time where AOC said something about we have to be careful about saying crime is rising because it, it, it's not necessarily rising, right? And I, I don't know if it is or it isn't. Uh, it, this is the approach that she takes. Listen to this. Seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate um, in that context. Yeah. So she needs to figure out what to allocate, where, when, and how. Now, I want to introduce you to my buddy. We're a, a minute and a half away from the break, but I'm going to bring him on nonetheless, and then we'll get into this stuff. But uh, you guys know I made my, uh, I cut my teeth on talk radio in New York City with uh, with a bunch of people, with the great one, Mark Levin, with this is Curtis Lee, if you ever heard him. And uh, he's terrific. And uh, he's the founder of the Guardian Angels, started this safety patrol group back in the 80s, which I used to see when I was on the subways with my mom. And the subways in the 80s in New York City were a little bit uh, off the hook. But uh, nonetheless, he's out there and he ran for mayor and he did a phenomenal job. He ran an incredibly spirited campaign and he's uh, at the forefront of a new group, the Ronald Reagan Republican Club, that's starting and setting up shop in none other than AOC's district in Astoria, Queens. So, Curtis Lewa, welcome, sir. Uh, Sorry, I'm a dollar short and a day late. You know, the, the warrior's been fighting out there. But I tell you, you actually set it up perfectly, Rich Valdez. We are taking on AOC, as you coined her, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democratic Socialists of America because they want to continue to defund the police. They want to defund the prison system. In essence, they really don't want police. They don't want anybody locked up. They want the criminals to run the streets. And rather than moaning, groaning on the sideline like moderate Democrats and other Republicans, we just thought we would take the battle into the motherland itself of AOC, establish the Ronald Reagan Republican Club and begin to run candidates against her for reelection and the other DSA candidates who occupy locally elected positions. Because if all you do is complain, they're just going to become emboldened and strengthened and if you take them on at the ballot box, then they're going to have to guard their backyard. They never expected a challenge like this. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, the shock of their life. I'll become their worst nightmare, but so be it. Somebody's got to take it to them. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, Curtis Lewa, it's uh, and we we probably have about a minute left. But the uh, the the interesting here, the interesting thing here, is that. Most people would say, ah, you know what, this is this is never going to work. You know, you're, you're going into the belly of the beast with, with an idea that doesn't work. But what I find interesting is that, you know, in that part of the world, you know, you've got the, the 14th District overall, but specifically, uh, you know, Astoria. These are very um, transient areas with lots of different people moving through there. And one of the things that I, I, I love about the name of the club is that Ronald Reagan had a, a lot of crossover appeal. He was hugely popular amongst Democrats as well as conservatives, Republicans, moderates, you name it. Everybody seemed to like Reagan. 
And I think it's that appeal that uh, might actually give you some gravitas in that district. So stick with us. There's more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. Our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you want to give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ. Our guest, Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels. And we're going to talk about the Ronald Reagan Republican Club. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. to you rich all the time america at night with rich valdez all right america welcome back rich valdez your liberty loving latino amigo i'm here with uh, my buddy curtis sliwa and i want to read you a headline from the new york post here it says gop moves in on queen's socialist turf to challenge aoc and tiffany caban and uh, one of the highlights here uh is it says that you know they're they're moving in from from the socialist um, stronghold in New York City. And rather than read you the article, we've got Curtis Lewa here with us. Curtis Lewa, what's the impetus behind this? The impetus behind taking on the Democratic Socialists of America is the fact that they have pushed an agenda and been successful in many instances, not just in New York City, but around the country in defunding the police, taking badly needed police off the streets, removing their qualified immunity, the kind of protection they they have against lawsuits that all civil servants and elected officials and judges and prosecutors uh, have. And then finally, how they want to, as they say, decarcerate the criminals, make sure that they don't go to jail or prison, and in fact, rather institute what they call restorative justice. So, for instance, Rich, If I I came upon you with a Louisville slugger, pulled it out of the trunk of my car and beat you viciously uh, to within an inch of your life, they don't want me going to jail. They'd rather me, once you've recovered, be put in a room with you. Uh, We have a conversation. I discuss what it was that caused this rage internally within me that made me want to kill you in the most vicious of ways. And somehow you as the victim... You're supposed to forgive me and all life is going to continue thereafter without me uh, having to pay any kind of price in the penal system. There are no consequences for my actions. And this is the direction that they've moved in, not just in the streets, but also in the school system, 
on a number of different levels. They become very proficient at organizing. They get their vote out. They're predominantly young, most the hipsters and millennials who have moved in from other areas of the country. So they're somewhat naive and idealistic. And so it's our job to go in there and revive, as you had mentioned right before the break, the Ronald Reagan coalition of not just Republicans and conservatives, those who are independent, because that's the growing number of voters amongst the young who decide to register, and most importantly, the moderate Democrats who feel they don't have a home of their own any longer in the party of Thomas Jefferson and FDR, the Democratic Party. So to give them sanctuary and to give them asylum so that they can come into the Ronald Reagan Republican Club of Astoria, Queens, and even though they may not be Republicans, feel that the club represents their values. And their values are law and order, support for the police, quality of life, and most importantly, the P for patriotism, because uh, we have American flags festooned all over the Ronald Reagan Club. You can't even find an American flag in that neighborhood. And secondarily, we are reestablishing that New York City is and will remain the epicenter of capitalism and will not become uh, the hallmark of socialism in the United States so that it could spread itself uh, through every major urban area of America. Now, uh, Curtis Lee, you've been a crime fighter for a long time, starting a, a safety patrol group in your 20s. And, and I think you guys just celebrated your 44th anniversary. Congratulations on that. But you used a, a very, in my opinion, it's a it's very strong um, language when you said this is Lexington and Concord. Tell us more. Sure. The as you had mentioned, the odds are stacked against us. They've done, a, they've done a very solid job of organizing and getting their vote out. Uh, they have a, a massive social networking system. So the initial battles, we're going to be badly outnumbered. But the thing that we're counting on is that people who dare to care, people who believe in a value system, will understand that the battle starts in Astoria, Queens. I call it the motherland because that is the house of AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And then we expect the vibrations to be felt by the patriarch of the Democrat Socialists of America, the Altachacha himself up in Vermont, Bernie <laughs> the Altachacha Sanders, so that people will realize wherever they are, use the example of the Ronald Reagan uh, Astoria Republican Club as a means to organize, as a means to beat them fair and square at the ballot box, because a lot of people, as soon as the Democratic Socialists of America come in and first take over the existent uh, Democratic structure and then win elections and basically begin to recruit a lot of independents and chase the Republicans away, because let's face it, the battle cry in the Northeast now is for elected Democrats, especially who are to the far left, they tell their constituents, especially Republicans and conservatives, uh, Rich, and I know you've been one of those, why don't you leave? Why don't you go down to DeSantis land, Freedom land, Florida? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or go to Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts I know. But get the hell out of here because you don't share our values. And I never quite understood, what do you mean we don't share your values? This is a country that respects a multitude of values and obviously believes that you make your mark at the ballot box. And that's what we want to reteach people what to do. You must vote. You must organize. 
and you cannot be intimidated, especially by a system that I view as being anti-American, anti-our values, anti-our concept, and most importantly, anti-our values towards public safety. Let me remind everybody, we're on with Curtis Sliwa, radio legend in New York City and the founder of the Guardian Angels. And uh, he was also the candidate for mayor back in 2021. Seems like forever ago. Hopefully you're gearing up for another run. Stick around, Curtis. We're going to continue this conversation. I want to get an update on what's going on. I know you keep your ear to the ground and your feet on the streets. And I want to know what's happening with these homeless hotels in New York City as crime continues to surge. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Our guest is Curtis Sliwa. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels uh, talk radio legend out of New York City. And Curtis Sliwa, I want to uh, f- first I want to just say, have you heard this story about this six foot six student that beat a teacher down after they took away his Nintendo Switch? Have you heard about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's, that's happening increasingly all the time, all across America. Yeah. Everything that seems to be happening in in New York seems to be amplifying everywhere else across America, even in some of the the nicer states. And uh, it's a shame. And and zeroing back in in, on what's going on in New York City, I was watching some video earlier where the the, the Democrat socialists and the the hard left in New York were like booing and heckling uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He seems to be calling out the Biden administration more and more. And it's not because he's becoming more conservative, but it's because he's being inundated with uh, illegal immigrants. And he doesn't know what to do. So he's renting more hotel space and he's cutting these sweetheart deals with developers that funded his campaign so that he could build another hotel for them. What's going on? The swagger man has no plan. Eric Adams is constantly doing things without any forethought, without any planning. And the people who have to pay for his mistakes, unfortunately, are the sucker taxpayers. So right now, If you wanted a better quality of life, if you wanted to uh, be five-star top shelf, just go south of the border in Mexico, sneak across the border, let's say through uh, Juarez into El Paso, and then claim uh, to Catholic Charities, which takes federal tax dollars to transport these illegal aliens to wherever they want to go, that you want to go to New York. And the moment you arrive at New York in Times Square, They will house you right now. The latest of the 82 hotels that have opened up to house illegal aliens. We're talking no-tail motels, Holiday Inn Expresses. And right now, the tallest Holiday Inn that exists in the United States, empty. It had gone bankrupt, owned by a red Chinese businessman. And the federal bankruptcy court in Wilmington, Delaware, said, hey, why don't you go make a deal with me, Eric Adams? He's looking for space to house homeless illegal aliens. And right now, we are renting at $190 a night, 50 floors of rooms for illegal aliens that are pouring in each and every day. And that's nothing that, let's say, a normal homeless person could ever hope to see. 
or a veteran who happens to have been down on his luck, maybe is suffering from emotional issues or has fiscal problems so that they're homeless, they're not entitled to be uh, taken care of in that way. But you're an illegal alien. You not only get free housing, you get a swag bag, you get an Obama phone, you get health care, you get education, you get everything. And if you're not happy in New York City, Eric Adams is doing reverse osmosis. He's saying, how would you like to go to a country where the asylum benefits are even better? We'll pay for you to go to Canada and you can be embraced by Trudeau in Quebec, in Montreal. 5,000 went last month from New York City because they, they weren't happy with New York City. You get your choice. It's like Wheel of Fortune. And now Trudeau is going to have a meeting next month with President Joe Biden and complain about all the illegal aliens that are pouring in across the border from New York State into Quebec, into Montreal, Canada. And why the hell isn't he doing anything about the illegal aliens at the northern border, never mind the southern border? Right. And that, that was an increase of some 800, 850 percent. I think that's uh, insane. So, well, maybe maybe that's the direct uh, uh, effect of NAFTA, North American Free Trade <laughs> uh, Association. We get to trade in illegal aliens. They come north of the border from Mexico. And then if they're not happy in America, they get to go to Trudeau in Canada. This is nuts, Rich. And we're spending billions and billions of dollars as a result. Uh, the uh, problems internally of a lot of our urban areas are not being met, providing education. Uh, They're not putting money into charter schools. They're defunding the police. They're defunding prisons. Also, that we can afford to bring illegal aliens north of of the Mason-Dixon line into urban cities in America, in which they end up with more benefits than an average hardworking citizen who has to work nine to five and pay their taxes. Now, Curtis Lee, I know, speaking of the Mason-Dixon line, I know that you have chapters of the Guardian Angels all throughout the United States and the globe. And I want to get your take on what is going on in Ohio now that Biden says, at this point, I'm not planning on going. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here, folks. It's Rich Valdez and our guest, Curtis Lee. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Our guest is Curtis Sliwa. Our phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ with an S. We have a couple of callers that have questions for Curtis Sliwa. Uh, we've got Ethan in Racine, Wisconsin, listening online to com, where we stream the program live every single night. Ethan, welcome. You're on with Curtis Sliwa and Rich Valdez. God bless you. Thank you for putting me on. Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Well, I just, I know he's got to be a conservative, and I voted so many times wrong and we need people to vote correctly. We need a red, white, and blue guy like Donald Trump, someone who loves America. And Curtis, he loves, I know he loves America. I remember him from the 1980s. He, mm-hmm. he protects He's a protector. I wish he was here right now. I need a protector like him around me because I'm an old cripple. 
Oh, thank you, Ethan. I appreciate your thoughts and your your kind words. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think Curtis Lewa has been fighting for people. Uh, he's been a warrior in the trenches. Curtis Lewa, what's up? You think you're going to skip the mayoral race and run for president? No, 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 no. Uh, definitely, I'm going after the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, in three years. But I spent a lot of time going between Milwaukee, which is infested with high crime, and Chicago, uh, where we have guardian angels, and actually passing Cougar scene which has seen its better day. But that's that's pretty much the fate throughout, if you notice, uh, cities north of the Mason-Dixon line where they've suffered from uh, an exodus in population. The criminals have been emboldened. George Soros has helped elect uh, district attorneys who have aided and abetted criminals in not doing the time where they commit the crime. And unfortunately, sometimes when the police uh, are not being supported, People have to utilize the guardian angels in their communities to fill the void. And that's what we've been doing since 1979 and will continue to do. Now, speaking of these cities that we have to uh, look at, and there's cities all across the country, uh, this small city, um, East Palestine, Ohio, Biden says he's not getting there. What's your whole take on this? Well, I don't trust any politicians, Democrats or Republicans, when it comes to an issue like this. Remember, we survived the attack in 9-11, but we had at that time a woman named Christine Todd Whitman, who I call Christine Todd Whitless, had been the Republican governor of New Jersey, was elevated by Bush 43 to become the EPA chiefess. She said after extensively testing the air, don't worry about it, first <laughs> responders, you don't need respirators, you don't need masks, you don't need uh, any kind of protective gear. And you saw how many hundreds and thousands of people while going into what turned out to be the world's largest crematorium to try to save lives and to try to at least get the last remnants of anyone whose remains were still there so that the families could put everything to close. Uh, the same kind of situation is taking place here. Now we have a chorus of Democrats and Republicans who are saying, drink the water, breathe the air. Everything's copacetic. Look at me. I'm drinking the water. How do we know that's not a bottle of Poland, uh, Poland Spring uh, water or Evian water? No, 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 no. Uh, never trust politicians because they will never, ever, ever tell the truth to the American people. Right now, it's fear, fright, uh, uh, and basically all hype in terms of politicians. So I think the people of East Palestine, and I don't understand, Rich, why they don't call it Palestine, I think it would be best in everyone's best interest to just pack their bags, get the hell out of there, because they're going to be living on a browning field for quite some time, and they can't take a chance for their children or children's children. Now, Curtis Lee, what's the reception been uh, in in terms of the uh, the new club that you started, the Ronald Reagan Republican Club in Astoria? What is the, um, the reception? Are, are Democrats welcoming you with open arms? Rich, uh, you have moderate Democrats who don't have a home of their own any longer because the Democratic Socialists of America, AOC, All Out Crazy, the Bernie out the Sanders of the world have hijacked the party. They don't call themselves socialists. They call themselves Democratic Socialists of America. So they don't have a home of their own. And what we're saying is, hey, the kind of Republican Party that we've opened up is the party of Reagan. The Reagan Democrats, who were synonymous with moderate Democrats back when Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter, who unfortunately is in hospice now, 
That was his margin of victory. He was able to appeal to them. They felt comfortable with Ronald Reagan. And that's what we're trying to do in these places, first in Astoria, and then maybe near a neighborhood towards where some of your listeners are right now. If the DSA is becoming strong, if you don't create the alternative, if you don't go right into the belly of the beast, well, they'll continue to grow. They'll continue to prosper. They'll be coming to your neighborhood next, organizing your children and great-grandchildren, and you'll have only yourselves to blame. That's why we call this the second coming of Lexington and Concord. All hands on deck. The battle must be taken to the socialists. They want to change our way of life. This is not a socialist country, Rich. Look how many people are coming here from socialist and communist countries to flee the oppression, to flee the uh, lack of democracy and choice and capitalism. And they look at us and they say, are you crazy? You're going to give this up? We, we left. We risked our lives behind the walls of Fidel Castro in Cuba, behind the walls of Maduro in Venezuela, behind the walls of Ortega in Nicaragua. We came here because this is the land of freedom. This is the land of capitalism. This is the land of opportunity. That's right. And you want to turn it into the kind of countries that we have departed? That's crazy. Curtis Lewa. Uh, com is the website if people want to support the cause, correct? Absolutely. And we could use all hands on deck from all across America. I put my hands across America to you, Rich Valdez. Continue the battle. Continue the struggle. We got to fight for what we know is right. Amen to that, my brother. Thanks for joining me. More to come straight ahead. We're going to do your calls, some Second Amendment, and a lot more. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. This is America at Night. He was Curtis Sliwa. I am Rich Valdez. The city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of these social media. This is our number two of our program here, America at Night. You're welcome to give us a call, 833-482-5337. We'll be taking your calls on the topic at hand, which is um, around the Second Amendment, but specifically the increase in gun sales. And it makes a lot of sense that there'd be an increase in gun sales when you see headlines like this. This is from earlier um, um, yesterday, actually. North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore rammed several times by a car on the highway. So the Speaker of the North Carolina House, Tim Moore, and uh, Representative State Representative David Willis, along with the security team, were in their vehicle and were rammed by a car right on the highway. Uh, you know, they were attacked. And uh, it, it just seems that, you know, these things tend to go unnoticed. Uh, they both happen to be Republicans. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, I would suspect that it likely did. But the um, security was driving the speaker and Representative Willis back to Raleigh after a visit to uh, 
with Wilson for a series of events that day. And on the drive back, the vehicle was rammed from behind several times. And the General Assembly, the police, and the uh, State Highway Patrol were all responding to this and, you know, conducting their investigation. This is um, just one example. I look at another headline here. Listen to this. Three boys, ages 13, 14, and 16, charged in horrific after-school murder of a New York City teen, and this happened over a girl. You heard that right. Three boys, ages 13, 14, and 16, are charged with a murder that happened after school of of a New York City teen, and this happened over a girl. I mean, people are are afraid to, to be around anybody, right? You've got little kids that are killing people now. Things are out of control, so it makes all the sense in the world to me that we'd see a spike in FBI gun sales and background checks, right? It looks like 6.5%, according to the Washington Examiner. Several states are reporting a, a similar, uh, actually a way larger increase. And with us to... Uh, not only help us understand this, but to kind of give us some real insight on this is Emily Taylor. She's uh, from the armed attorneys at the Walker Taylor law firm, and that's walkertaylorlaw.com. And I want to bring her into the program. Emily Taylor, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. You bet. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, you guys specialize in in litigation that revolves around the second amendment and, and gun laws. So, um, do you do you see this often? Uh, I, I feel like this happens every time there's a spike in crime or every time uh, the Democrats in particular try to make some sort of gun grab or promote uh, a um, a new gun control measure. People say, oh, <laughs> let me go and, you know, stock up on ammo and get a few more guns. You know, it's it's interesting. Of course, you know, you've probably heard, and it's very true, that Barack Obama was the most successful gun salesman that the country has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And we thought that when Joe Biden was elected, we would see a similar trend. Um, We did not. And I'm not sure if the country felt that he would perhaps just be ineffective in passing tighter gun control. And so um, perhaps that's, uh, that's why there was not an immediate rush, um, but we did see rushes surrounding not the presidential election, but other events in the country, um, the COVID-19 outbreak, the riots of 2020. And now we are finally seeing with um, a violent crime and ATF rulemaking, another rush to the gun store. Uh, you know, I think people are also optimistic that the Supreme Court will protect their Second Amendment rights and for states like of the state of Maryland, in which all of the sudden it's quite a bit easier to get a carry permit and to exercise your Second Amendment right. We're seeing huge spikes in gun sales in states that were previously very restrictive, and, and those people are really getting to take advantage of the first time. All right. I don't know if you're moving around, but it's really tough to hear you. Um, so what, what's your take on this? What do you think is sparking this um, this increase in sales, in particular in these states where we're seeing over 100% increase? Well, you know, at this point, we believe it to be not just the violent crime wave that we're seeing, um, but also anxiety over the ATF and um, their essential unconstitutional legislating that they're currently doing. Um, right. of course, and you're talking did, about like this unofficial list that they're trying to make? Well, not just that. And that list is unfortunately made. 
Um, but we see as Congress cannot pass effective gun control, which is um, very good in my book because we have all of the gun laws we need on the books and perhaps too many right now. Um, mm-hmm. We see the ATF stepping in at the administration's direction and trying to further limit our Second Amendment rights. Um, they limited our 80% lowers, which of course they call ghost guns. They are now limiting um, pistol arm braces, calling those short barrel rifles when they're attached to a pistol. Um, it is only going to increase and get worse and worse until there is some sort of break, hopefully with the Supreme Court reining them back in. Now, you would think, at least I would think, and maybe you could explain this, with the when the Supreme Court uh, ruled on um, what they ruled, I guess it was last June, uh, mm-hmm. why, why are we seeing, uh, is this more of the same? Is this a bunch of new laws that we're are trying to stifle uh, gun sales, gun use, gun ownership, but ultimately will be challenged and probably be thrown out by the court? Absolutely. I see this as being very similar to um, states passing laws in the wake of the Supreme Court requiring people to desegregate um, decades ago. I think mm. what we're seeing is reactionary authority thumb in the eye to progress being made in this country. And unfortunately, it's going to take further judicial action to rein these states in. But but I, and I don't know if this is the road that you went down as well, but naively last summer, I thought, well, surely this is the end. All of these bricks right. now fall. Um, and it is really what we've seen is states passing worse and more restrictive laws that the right. Supreme Court will then have to take down. Yeah, I, I, it's exactly what we're seeing. We see in, in New York doubled down. And I think everybody you know around New York, like New Jersey, now has a, leg, a piece of legislation where they're saying, sure, you can you want to carry your gun? No problem. You're going to need an insurance policy. You're not allowed to carry it here, 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 here and here. And, and they just make it so that it, it's even harder than it was before. And it's just it's remarkable to me, but it seems like they're willing to play this battle of attrition uh, and keep things tied up in litigation. Absolutely. And it keeps gun owners from their Second Amendment rights for longer. It drains the resources of the Second Amendment advocacy groups. It's not cheap for gun owners of America, Second Amendment Foundation, Firearms Policy Coalition, um, the NRA. It's not cheap for them to initiate all of these lawsuits. And, you know, boy, if that's part of their strategy, it is very wise because it just takes those coffers and whittles them down and whittles them down further and further. Now, if people want to get in touch with you and follow your uh, YouTube channel, which is Armed Attorneys, how do they do that? Apps just search Armed Attorneys on YouTube. You will find us. We are talking about breaking Second Amendment law. We do self-defense breakdowns on state-by-state self-defense law, anything and everything gun-related. You can also find us at walkertaylorlaw.com. All right, folks, that's Emily Taylor. She's one of the armed attorneys that you'll find on YouTube. I checked out some of their content. I thought it was really cool. Uh, You should take a look, subscribe, and keep in touch with what they're doing. And Emily Taylor, I thank you for being with us and bringing us this update. Thank you. You bet. 
All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. I see calls are starting to roll in on this and the other topics that we've discussed. So we'll be doing a couple of calls before we move on at the bottom of the hour to uh, our next guest. And the phone number for that, 833-482-5337. That's 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, you can always use the legacy line. We, we I made sure that they kept that intact. 866-505-4626, just for the sake of nostalgia and to pay an homage. So feel free to do that if you want. Uh, We're going to take a quick pause right here, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America. Again, the phone number 833 482 5337. Um, I'm a former Forest Hills, Queens, New Yorker. All right. I live in Montana. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having Emily Taylor on. Um, you bet. It's really so important. Uh, hey, sorry about that. But um, people don't realize this. If you lose your gun rights, you will lose all your rights. 100%. Yeah, if you can't talk that, I mean, I always found it remarkable that, you know, the First and Second Amendment are, you know, our right to speak and 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 have the press and and pray publicly. And and then our Second Amendment is, you know, our right to uh, to keep and bear arms and keep our government in check. And it's it it never falls. uh, It's never lost on me. But I was at a um, at the Cuban coffee shop where I get my coffee in the morning every day. And somebody once said to me, said, you know, the problem in our country is that, we, you know, people say whatever the hell they want and, you know, and they can carry guns if they feel like it. I said, it's literally our First and Second Amendment. And he looked at me, goes, yep, that's the problem. I said, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's sad when you have that type of thinking from people. And this is an educated guy, but, you know, an, a, a Northeast liberal. And uh, it, it's it's a shame. But that's where we are, Al. Yeah, it's um, yeah. The first and the second amendment are intertwined. That's why they're not the first. And that's why they are the first and the second amendment, not the thirteenth or the fourteenth. You know, I agree with you. You know, and you think a liberal would have enough brains to realize that they should be able to stand up and criticize and defend themselves if they have to. You know, I mean, it's... you know, I, I get exhausted hearing these things because I agree with you. And I think it, it, it's uh, I don't care what politics you like. And, and, you know, if you're a Yankees guy or a Mets guy, if you like red or you like blue, none of that matters to me. To me, what matters is if you're in your home. But it seems like politics has become so I don't want to say divisive or divisive. I, I just feel like people gravitate to one way or the other. 
And, you know, the other day somebody told me, they're like, listen, people want to rob me? Let them take whatever they want. And I'm thinking, holy crap. You know, like (laughs) my dad never would have allowed me to just sit there and play dead. You know, I mean, I guess there's a time and a place where, you know, if you're with your family and your kids are little and it's like you're getting mugged. Yeah, sure. Here, take my wallet, throw it the other way. Make sure the guy leaves you, leaves you alone. But. Uh, I think for the most part, you you need to stand up for yourself. You need to stand up for your family. You need to be the protector that you were made to be. And you can't be that if you're neutered, especially by gun laws. Uh, it's um, And I also want to say thank you for having Curtis. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name again? Sliwa. Yes, Sliwa. Yeah, thanks for having him on because he's really the guy who stood up in modern times and said, enough this is crazy. No, you know, you can't have criminals running the streets. You need law and order. That's you know, so true, I, Al. You're hundred percent spot on with that one. And I thank you for your call from KOFI in Kalispell, Montana. Thanks again. I didn't know you were a New Yorker, but that's cool that you're out in Montana. Reminds me of my favorite show, Yellowstone. Anyway, let's continue our conversation across America from Montana to Pennsylvania, Irwin, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Let's check in with Bill. Hey, Bill, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Uh, uh, hey, man. Uh, hey. I'm, I, I turned old really quickly. I'm 68 years old. Okay. And last I remember before I had my kids, I was uh, almost drafted in Vietnam. Uh, well, that's the last thing you remember almost getting drafted in Vietnam. Well, not the last thing, but you know, uh, (laughs) no, I, uh, I don't know why that popped into my head, but, Anyways, Rich, um, okay. You know what it is? It's that you're watching too much Biden on television. He's rubbing off on you, Bill. (laughs) What do you think about Biden? uh, What do I think about Biden? I think he needs, uh, I can't tell you exactly because I don't know who's listening in, but I think (laughs) uh, we, 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 we need to unload this piece of garbage and the rest of the garbage that he brought along with him, and and he 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 just got to go. All right, I think we lost him. All right, Bill, sorry about that. I think we lost you. Bad connection. Let's go to uh, Dennis. We got Dennis in Salisbury, Vermont, WVMT. Dennis, go right ahead, sir. Hey, Rich, uh, I'm open-minded about. Um, discussing the Second Amendment, as long as those who are making the rules are willing to give up private security details and government-funded security details for themselves. If they're making yeah, rules, they're Yeah, I think that's a good disarmed. point. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I remember a year or two ago, maybe a year and a half ago, the uh, newly elected re- representative, um, Cori Bush, she was very critical, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. And then um, when she had to file her her expense reports, she had spent something like $80,000 or $78,000 on private security. And and her constituents were up in arms and, and her local media were, were up in arms saying, you know what? No, no way. That's not cool. So you're going to tell me you're going to have armed security to to be with you while you're our armed security for the common man, <laughs> you know, everyday folk is calling 911 and hoping a cop will show up in seven or eight minutes. And 
it, it was, you know, it, it was very fascinating to see how that played out. And it's exactly what you're describing. There's a lot of folks that are happy to say, we don't need guns. We don't need this. We don't need that. But I, but I'll have armed security, right? And I, I don't want a gun, but I'll have you know three armed guys behind me wearing bulletproof vests in an armored vehicle, like so many politicians today. Dennis, Rich, let me tell you something. Uh, some of us live in remote areas, and when we call the troopers, they might be forty-five minutes. Good luck, right? Away. Yeah, exactly. And it's not exactly summertime every day in Vermont either. I get it. You know, you, you've got, you've got. A lot up there. And it doesn't matter where you live. I mean, that's a it's a valid point. But to me, it doesn't matter where you live. It, it, your right is your right. And you can get mugged in Vermont the same way you can get mugged on a New York City subway. And to say that subways are too crowded, so you can't carry there or, you know, that you shouldn't be able to do this or do that. To me, it's it's all hogwash um, because ultimately your right is your right. And we have to stick with that stuff. If we don't stick with our rights, what's left, right? Anyway, Dennis in Salisbury, Vermont, WVMT, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, Folks, straight ahead, we're going to continue our discussion. We've got a lot more to come. Jill Robin Payne is going to join us, uh, some relationship advice. And we're going to look at some of the headlines as well with her. So don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez on America at Night. America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And when I'm not on the radio, I spend uh, a fair amount of time in the morning (laughs) uh, scrolling through different social media, laughing at the funny videos. And uh, I find particularly funny the videos that are satirical and make light of the nuances of married life. I was married for a whole decade. And, uh, it was like, I guess, like everybody else's marriage, you know, the, the, the funny stuff is still funny, you know, and, and there, there's so many funny videos out there. And I remember seeing one where the guy, you know, he looks at the chair, he bends his knees to like sit down. He goes, no, 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 not yet. He looks at his wife. He looks at the chair, he bends his knees, he's getting ready to sit down. He goes, nah. And finally he looks at his wife, he looks at the chair and he sits down and he finally sits down. As soon as his butt uh, touches the cushion, he his wife says, honey, I need you to take out the garbage. Do this, do that, and do the other thing. <laughs> and he's really angry, and he was just grabbing the remote control to the television. And it was just really funny. And it's interesting because, you know, th- there's humor in it because there's truth in it. At least it feels that way. And uh, I figured, you know, let's do a little bit of um, discussion on relationships. And I'm looking at an article about um Eight toxic phrases that your relationship is in trouble if you're using them. And I figured who better to go over, you know, relationship advice than our favorite psychotherapist, Jill Robin Payne. Jill, welcome. Thank you, Rich. uh, You just made me, you made my day. Oh, good. That's the best thing to say to your wife, just what you just said. 
<laughs> what did I say? I forgot. <laughs> that would be a, a good a good intro. You just you complimented me. You know when ah, you compliment you somebody, it's just like giving them a hundred dollars or some chocolate. It hits the same region of the brain. So right there, you just enlightened them and made them feel so good. So. It's like talking to someone about their kids, right? Because I could hate somebody, <laughs> and they could say, oh, I saw a picture right. of you and your kids. They look really great. Oh, and I just I fall apart. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'm super proud. Let me show you pictures. Exactly. <laughs> we have a soft spot. You're right. And it's that's really important. If we would just learn how to connect with people and say something positive at the beginning, then people are open to listen. Whereas if you say no at the beginning, right away they've just closed off to whatever you have to say to them. Yeah, that's that's excellent advice. Anybody who's taking notes, take notes on that one. Now, Jill Robin Payne, have you seen this article that I'm talking about in CNBC about the Harvard trained psychologist that says if you use any of these eight toxic phrases, phrases, excuse me, your relationships in trouble. What do you think about this? Well, you know, everything is relative and it's one how much you use it. If you're consistent, I mean, I know people will slip and say certain things. Uh, basically, what this article is telling you is that you don't want to talk down to your partner and you want to work at being empathetic. And so you, you don't want to say things like uh, label people like you're pathetic. You know, you want to just talk about the situation because just like I said, if you say no to somebody, they're going to close you off. So you, you want to start positive, and, and these phrases pretty much are all negative. What's your thought? Yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm looking at this first one, right? Uh, so the first yeah. one here, it says, you don't deserve me. And I'm thinking – this is horrible, right. right? This is something a guy right. tells a girl that he, you know, when she's like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we should have a relationship. And you're thinking, I don't want a relationship. You don't deserve me, right? right? You know, or I don't right. deserve you or whatever it is. It, it right. sounds like a cop out to me. Um, unless, you know, you're super busy and you really can't commit to life with, with, uh, with right. a dedicated partner or whatever. But um, right. I, I think these things that are rooted, like you said, in negativity, they, they mm -hmm. will only continue to grow and fester more negativity. The, the second one that exactly. I think is interesting here is stop asking if I'm okay. Everything's fine, even if it isn't. Uh, and, and that is annoying. Right. You know, if you've got a face right. on because, you know, things aren't going your way and they're like, is everything okay? The last thing I want to hear is, is everything okay? <laughs> right? I'm just, right. Get out of here. And, and you know? That's something women tend to say. They even joke about it, just like you were laughing at that cartoon. And women yeah. usually will say, I'm fine. And men automatically right. know if a woman says, I'm fine, woo. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So, you know, there's a great book, Men Are From Mars, uh, Women Are From Venus. It is it is never too old because that is exactly how it is. Men are this way, women are this way. And of course, you know, you're going to have uh, some exceptions to the rule. And so when I was reading this, it's basically telling you, you know, watch what you say, because whatever comes out of your mouth is probably what you're going to get. And these were toxic phrases. So, and, and it even says that they destroy your relationship. So the more you say something that's negative, just like you said, the more you're going to bring about. I even tell clients, I say, don't tell people, stop nagging. Say what you want. Honey, I would love it if you would speak to me, blah, 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 this way. And I would love this. And it's so wonderful when you do this. And that is something that will bring you more of that. And it's hard 
it's hard, Rich, when you're upset. Yes. Because when you're upset, what do you focus on? Yeah, the negative. You focus on the negative, of course. So this is something that people need to work on, and they need to step back. Sometimes you need to step back from the situation and say, you know what, I need to step back right now. I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not in a place right now. I'm not, I'm not liking things, what they're going on, what's going on. You don't need to say I'm not liking you. And I just, I really need to step back. I'll be back. And, it, and just even say it just like mm-hmm. that. And that way that person knows you're going to be back. They feel safe. They know that something's wrong and that you're all going to talk about it later. Now, Joe Robin Payne, I've studied communication and everything you're saying is, is golden, right? It's, it's excellent advice in what I'm reading here. But Thanks. I remember being in these situations and thinking to myself, um, right. yeah, count to 10, walk away. Who does that when you're angry, right? That doesn't even come into your, <laughs> into your mind. And, and these eight toxic phrases, obviously they're toxic. Yeah. You're saying them because you're mad and you want to fight, you know? And, and right. So I'm thinking, why exactly. do we self-sabotage in the, in the first place? Yeah, well, okay. You really want to know? I'm going to tell you. I'm putting my feet up on my leather couch. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, we get in threat mode. And whenever you get in threat mode, what are you going to do? You're going to want to protect you. You're not going to really be thinking. You're not going to think of the other person. So you get in fight, flight, or freeze. And that's what you do. That's it. It's just as easy as that. And, And everybody's coping mechanism is different. There's some people that are passive. There's some people that are aggressive. There's all different types, and you'll have a baseline. And so when you go see a therapist or a coach, they're going to get you to be aware of what your coping mechanism is, and they'll have you tweak it because you don't really change. But this is what happens when you get in threat mode. So, and it when, happens in business too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's actually where yeah. I first experienced it, honestly. Yeah. And and I realized, yeah. and 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 through like training, corporate training. I used to work for a Fortune right. 10 company years ago, and they put a lot of emphasis yeah. on training. And one of the things that, that's where I learned all these things, where they're like, you know, walk away. You know, don't send yeah. the email when you're angry. Don't, you know, right. look at it, look right. at it, look at it. Save it as a draft. All right. these different tips they gave. Yeah. But ultimately, right. uh, I would, you know, I feel like people. You know, when, when they're angry, they, they want to do what they want to do until until they get burnt. And then they realize, oh, right. that probably wasn't the right thing. And you learn from, from scraping your knee and saying, oh, man, I screwed that one up. <laughs> Let me not do that again. And right. I think at least some people learn that way, I, I being one of those people. But uh, I don't right. know that everybody does that. And I don't know that everybody's really great at communicating, like you said before, that you know you can say you know I really don't like it when you when you focus on the behavior right so I really don't like it when you say this to me while I'm eating or when you ask me right. this when I'm preparing for my whatever but um, right. and focusing on these behaviors and saying I would love it if you would do X Y and Z and taking a more right. positive approach I think most people are like stop like leave me alone <laughs> just stop right. and that of course it hurts people's feelings and and so I'm guessing. Uh, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but this is what you spend a lot of your time doing is like teaching people how to speak to other people. <laughs> well, sometimes you need to have a third party because if you take your hand, Rich, and you, you, you turn it uh, inward so you're looking at your lines and you bring your, your 
palm of your hand all the way to your nose, you cannot see those lines. And when you take your hand further out, of course you can. And that's what a therapist, a friend, um, and we talked about this before too, to get a friend that doesn't, you know, that can see a third side of the coin, another side, not your side, not, not their side. And this really helps, you know, that's why you have mediators. And so this is something good to do, just like I said, when you get in threat mode. Also, we need to educate people. And we need to educate people that no one's perfect. Everyone gets mad. It's how do you handle it? All right. Now, Joe Robin Payne, stick with us because uh, when we come back, I want to read this other article uh, or get your reaction to it about staying happy by putting your phone away. Don't go anywhere. Give us a call. 833-4-VALDEZ. Jill Robin Payne is our guest. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, I want to talk about me. I love talking about me, and I I love um, talking about you. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about fubbing, right? Fubbing is this uh, mashup of phone and snubbing. It refers to the act of focusing on one's mobile phone during a conversation instead of paying attention to a conversation with your partner. And if you're living that fubbing life, then you want to listen to this because there was a survey of 308 men and women about their relationship satisfaction and uh, their perceived quality of that and how much their partner fubbed. And they found that the more fubbing a person was exposed to, the more they classified their relationships as low quality and the less satisfied they were with them. So, I mean, obviously that makes a lot of sense. Um, I didn't know there was a term for this. That puts me uh, out of the loop. But Jill Robin Payne, the author of Bempathy, and you can find that on Bempathize.com, is our guest. Jill Robin Payne, what's your take here on this fubbing? Obviously, if you put the phone away, you'll do better, but easier said than done, right? It is. There's even a, a, a movie, Social Dilemma, on Netflix about how uh, when they made these, uh, the computers and the phones, they, they made them to be an addictive type of uh, apparatus. And so we really do get a dopamine rush when we get on them. And so it's still not, it's not in the DSM-5 yet, but it will be as a drug. And so I am finding this a lot in my, with my clients. Uh, they're, they're upset that their husband's on the phone in bed instead of having sex. And they're, they're, I'm serious. This, this takes over from having sex. Now, that's, that's very interesting. So I, I find that it is an issue. And then what happens when you are, quote, fubbed, then what do you do? Then you go take your phone and you go ahead resentfully, go through your phone, and you're both sort of ignoring each other. So it's sort of a vicious cycle. And if you think about it, when you are paying attention to something else, and not the person with you, you're not being present, you're not being mindful. And, you know, people can take that as being rude, that you're being disrespectful, and, you know, and the person feels unheard. What it has said in the studies is that women are hurt more by it than men. So 
I just think men's, you know, your, your brains are different than ours. There, it yeah. still affects us. And, and if you think about it, eye contact is the most intimate form of connection. You know that when you meet someone, you, we can't even look at somebody for more than a couple of seconds. You can't even stare at somebody, right? If you stare at them, you feel sort of weird. And so <laughs> you're doing the opposite. You're looking at your phone. You know, and I, 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 I agree with everything you just said. However, I think yeah. to myself, before the mobile phone, and I don't know yes. if there was a dopamine rush related to it, but it was yes. the laptop because a lot of people were busy working. And I, I, I was right. guilty of that. I know I'd have my laptop right. and I'd be, you know, banging out those emails that I couldn't get to, you know, three right. hours earlier. Right. And yeah. it, it was one of those things that, and it was, what you know, during my marriage, it was a, a, a sore spot where she was like, you know, are you going to go to sleep? Are you going to put right. that thing away? And I was like, uh, <laughs> is the house going to pay itself? You know, and, and it just became a thing, you know, where it was just right. one snide comment after the next. And you yeah. know, and it became more of a uh, a battle of wits than than an actual conversation. Right. But I could right. see how that happens and how these things escalate so quickly. And now that these computers are smaller and smaller, and they're in your hand, and you right. can add in your social media, and you've you've got everything at your you know fingertips, uh, I could see how that becomes a, a big issue. How do you overcome that? Is, is, what, what advice do you give to people who are going through that? Well, one, it's, you know, you find a time and a place to do it. Uh, they have found that when you're multitasking rich, it takes literally 20, I think it's 23 minutes and 15 seconds exactly uh, to start to refocus to whatever you were doing. So if you pick up the phone when you're doing a paper um, online, it's going to take you that much time to get back to that paper. So I tell people, do your emails uh, in the morning, if you need to do them in the morning, at lunch, at dinner, but do them at a set time and, and at a set place. And then have a safe place for you and your spouse or you and your loved one, you and your family. It could be the dinner place, some place where there's not going to be any electronics. So these are things that I tell my clients because, come on, this is a world of uh, technology with electronics all over the place. We're even going to be going into virtual reality. So we just need to get a balance. And then also people need to speak up and be assertive and say, you know, honey, uh, maybe tonight when we have dinner, could we please put all our phones away and just talk? So these are some yeah. things that people can do. So we need to take responsibility and not just blame the person on the phone. Jill Robin Payne, always yeah. excellent advice as usual. I want to encourage everybody to visit your website, Jill Robin Payne, that's Payne with a Y, dot com, and your book, Bempathy. Pick up a couple of copies of it. Trust me, you can never have too much empathy or Bempathy as it's uh, put in this book. And you can check out the Bempathize website at Bempathize with a B dot com. Jill Robin Payne, always a pleasure. I want to thank you again. Thank you so much. You bet. All right, folks, uh, more to come straight ahead. Open Phone America is coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to get to that, and we're going to continue with your calls and all of the headlines of the day. So do not move a muscle. We're not done just yet. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, 
no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So uh, I'm going to leave you with some of these thoughts here that there's a few reasons that relationships won't last. And again, I'm no relationship expert, uh, but I am going to start pretending I am one on the radio because there is a segment that is forthcoming. I think it's going to be called Dear Richie, like a play on Dear Abby. But the difference is Dear Abby knows what she's talking about, and I'm just going to take shots in the dark <laughs> based on my uh, my limited experience with whatever situation you guys write in about. And we'll set up an email for it so you could write in and then we'll actually cover these stories. But the reason they don't is because people self-sabotage. They don't have good communication skills and they're not being authentic. You know, so kind of like I had a friend that whenever I would say something that uh, she disagreed with, she would go, eh. <laughs> she would make a noise and say, well, you don't think that the, the economy is doing better under Trump? She like, well, <laughs> and it was this funny sound. And I always knew you're full of it right now. And you have to be authentic. If you're not being authentic, you're going to you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to want to put the effort in to make whatever relationship, whether it's a professional relationship or a personal relationship, it's just not going to work. And people struggle with boundaries. If we don't uh, have boundaries in place, how would we know when we went too far? Right. So uh, always great conversation with Jill Robin Payne. I uh, can't wait to have her back on. She always uh, really makes sense of everything. And Open Phone America is coming up straight ahead. So Friday night edition of Open Phone America. It's actually going to be Saturday morning. But your calls and more, 833, the number four, Valdez is my last name. Give us a call. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And it's Open Phone America, so give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. The one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine was today, yesterday, however you want to look at it. We're here at the one-year mark and uh, Joe Biden obviously was there celebrating that, you know, the in the in the wake of that uh, and where he wasn't Ohio and where he's not going Ohio, according to let's see here, CNN. Quote, at this point, I'm not planning on going. There you go. Joe Biden, he's not going. You know, uh, in Spanish, there was this uh, growing up as a kid, if you wanted to go out or go to a party or something and you didn't behave, didn't have good grades or whatever, you know, my mother would say, no te viste que no vas. <laughs> Don't get dressed because you're not going. And that's Joe Biden here. He's not going. He's not invited to Ohio. I don't think they want to see him anyway. I'm pretty sure people did want to hear from their president, but he's not going. And that's that. But where he is going 
is likely to run for president again for re-election because his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, doctor of education, EDD, she says that, um, no, I'm not, she's not, she's, 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 (laughs) she says that she's dismissing the notion that Joe won't run in 2024, in effect saying, how many times do we have to say it for you to believe it? Listen to this. Is there any reason for any of us to think that he is not running again? We've heard him say several times that it is intention. It is his. Are you not believing this, Darlene? <laughs> I mean, how many times does he have to say it until you believe it? So he, then, our go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he he says he's not done. He's not finished what he started, and that's what's important. And I think uh, look at all that Joe has has done, has accomplished. I mean, he brought us out of the chaos and he did that. He was elected because people wanted steady leadership. And I think they saw that in Joe. Yes, definitely. Very steady. (laughs) Steady inflation is what we've got, right? Steady growth in inflation. Now it's a a steady uh, decline that's having very limited impact. Nobody's paying any less for eggs. Uh, gas has gone down a little bit, thank God. But, um, I mean, really, we're, we're in bad shape. I was looking at what, what I spend on food the other day, and I said, man, that's really gone up quite a bit. And something else that I, I feel is kind of egregious is the price of used cars, right? Used cars or new cars. I mean, you go to get a new car, and most of these dealers are saying, oh, we have one, and it's in white, or we have one in black, if you want a different color, we have to order. It might take a year. They're like They can't get new cars. So all of a sudden, the previously owned ones, they start to have a higher stock price, right? Because why not? People people want a car. I went to take my car to the mechanic. My goodness, he was so busy. I have a backup mechanic. He was busy too because people aren't buying new stuff. They're fixing what they've got. And it's uh, it's just very interesting, very interesting to see how the economy is evolving right now. But speaking of used cars, I want to share this, and I probably should have shared it at the at the ten o'clock hour, ten o'clock Eastern time, hour number one versus hour number three. But I'll share it now. So I'm considering getting a, a new car, uh, another car, not necessarily new. I like to allow someone else to pay the depreciation on it and buy something that's a couple of years old, but. I, I, I went, you know, I was looking, 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 and I found one online for a certain price, and it was exactly what I was looking for. So I said, all right, let me um, go to this place. Now, this dealership was, I don't know, an hour away, an hour and 10 minutes away from where I was. I did not want to call because, you know, half the time you call a, a car dealer and they they put you on hold, they transfer you 47 times, and they'll do everything they can to just say, just come in, just come in, just come in, because they want to sell you. So I get it. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to, I can't kick the tires, in, you know, over the phone. So I said, let me go and take a look at this thing. So I go to the um, dealership. I take my ride. And and I get there. And very nice young lady. She, um, she helps me out. And, you know, she says, all right, I just want to start going over things. And she says, all right, so this is a car you like. And you saw it online. And it was this much money. And she said, you know, I just want to let you know that's our marketing price, but that's not the actual price of the car. And I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, this is just the marketing price. That's the price we use in marketing. 
Uh, but in order for you to drive it off the lot, you know, there's tax and, and tags. And, and I said, well, of course, there's, you know, those are those fees that, you know, go with the car. It's, you know, a thousand bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is. And, and she's like, yeah, well, we also have a, a certification fee. And I was like, what are you certifying? And she said, well, what we're certifying is that we, we, um, we make sure that everything in the car is working. And if it needs any new parts, um, you know, we, we, um, we do that. And so I'm looking at it, and she's saying that that costs $2,495. And then there's something called a destination fee. And uh, I don't even know what that is. And, and that was like another $1,000. And then there was another fee. And before you knew it, they tacked on like $5,000 in fees. And I was like, you're kidding, right? And I said, I don't want all those fees. I just want to buy the car for the price you advertised that. And she said, we don't even own the car for the price that it's advertised at. And I said, hold and why would you put that in, you know, in an advertisement? And her response was because it's the marketing price. <laughs> I said, so if somebody comes in here, I said, is there a way to humanly buy this? Car? Is it humanly possible to buy the car at the price you're advertising? And she said, no, you have to read the fine print. And I thought, I don't know. Is it me? Or is that a bait and switch? Right. We say we have this for this price and then you come in and they switch the price on you. And, you know, so I started doing a little research and in, in, this was in New York State. And it said that Section 396 of New York State's general business law uh, prohibits this stuff. Right. And I think that uh, I'm going to press this issue because I wasted all this time and gas going there. And I normally would go, ah, you know, screw you. And I did. I said, look, I'm going to walk away. If you if you tell me I can't get this car and it's really $5,000 more than you advertise, I'm not interested. And she was like, oh, yeah, no, we don't even own it for that much. Uh, that's when I realized, why on earth would you advertise? And I told her that. Why on earth would you advertise it at a price that you can't even sell it at? So I did read the fine print after the fact. I got home and I read it. And it said that that's only the price if you make a cash offer. But she didn't even give me that option. I never got the option to actually buy the car for the discounted cash prices, saying, look, if you bring us a cashier's check for this amount, you leave the, with the car right, right off the lot. So I was just really bothered by that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about this on the radio, which I don't always talk about these things, but I'm going to do it today because I want to know, has this happened to you? Am I crazy? Is it my fault? This is my bad that I should, I know that there's tax and tags and, you know, other fees and, you know, they, they try to get a few bucks out of you, uh, but not five grand, right? Not five grand. That's kind of crazy. So I'd like your thoughts on that. Plus we're going to get to your calls. I see that there's calls coming in right now and we've got someone on hold. So we're going to do that. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-482-5337. But let me know, am I making... Uh, much ado about nothing over here because that's just how it goes. I'm supposed to expect to get ripped off. I don't know. You let me know. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night 
with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. So am I the only one that's going through this vehicle drama uh, with the bait and switch and all that? Because I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. I don't even like Letitia James, but she's the attorney general of the state of New York. But she's in charge of what they call deceptive auto advertising. And I think I'm about to make a big stink about this because I don't like it. You know, what if I was like a little old lady or somebody else that was getting taken for a ride here and drove, you know, an hour and and spent all that gas and decided to go there to get ripped off? You know, it's just not cool, in my opinion. Anyway, let's go straight across the country near Los Angeles, AM 1340 KTPI. Let's go to Paul. Paul, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. First time caller. Um, Yeah, I was listening to your story. You were talking. Used car, of course, you're talking certified, Rion and all that. I get that. It, it is ridiculous what they do. But uh, it's just not with the, the used cars. I was going to tell you a real quick story. Uh, I do mm-hmm. have a certified pre-owned car that I bought. I got a really good deal on it. But, you know, the long-term cost of that is taking it in every year to have the maintenance cost, which is exorbitant just for service on, on the luxury vehicle. And while I'm sitting there, obviously, I'm, draw, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the, uh, the display room at the cars that they don't have. But there's one particular one there that they do have, and I looked in the window, and I'm like, wow, this thing's $180,000. I, I bring my phone up, and I take a picture of the price tag, and the lady makes a beeline right toward me. Sir, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm just taking a picture of the price. But, well, that's not the price. I'm like, what do you mean that's not the price? Uh, we have a market a market area price. I'm like, <laughs> that's what, what you're telling that? me. <laughs> yeah, and okay. Said, this vehicle... If it comes from the factory, it's 180k. Well, that's without taxes and all the other features and stuff. But that's the MSRP for the Los Angeles area. Now, this is 60 miles from downtown LA. They had a markup, and the final cost of this vehicle was three hundred fifteen thousand dollars. It was almost double. Wow! So let me tell you, I- I've heard of this happening before. Um, because they're hard to get, right? They, they have one, they put it in their showroom. They know you can't get it anywhere else. Uh, used car dealers or exotic car dealers are going to the dealer, uh, like let's just say the Cadillac dealer for an Escalade or wh- wherever, getting th- these harder to get cars that are, you know, I think a new Escalade right now is like $130,000 uh, or 109 for the base model. And and they're buying them, and then they're pu- just parking them in their showroom to sell it without any mileage on it, and at a considerable markup. And I know somebody who just bought one, and I think he paid one seventy five for a car that was worth one oh nine, and even that I thought was a ton of money. But that's what they're doing. It looks like they're doing the same thing to you, Paul. Yep, I made a snide remark to the lady. I says, "Well, good luck selling that." And I was going to walk over back and have my seat. And she says, "Oh, we have two people who are actually in a bidding war on it. The cost of that vehicle is almost four hundred thousand. Yep. <laughs> I, and that and that, this guy, he's a plumber, and he makes two million bucks a year. And so he was like, "What's the difference if I spend one fifty, one sixty, one seventy on a car? It's it's not going to break me." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess it's not going to break you, but you know, I could buy a condo in Florida for one hundred and seventy-five k." You know, uh, I don't think I'm going to buy a, a a car for that much money. But again, that's me being frugal. You know, shame on me. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Thank you for the call, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad that you uh, are listening and participating in the program. This is one of those things that it's just uh, just a very 
big pet peeve of mine. But let us continue. Let's go to Frank in Albany, New York, WGDJ. Frank, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, Rich. First time caller. Uh, I heard your segment, and um, I've been buying vehicles uh, remotely from mostly the Northeast. Since 2004, we've had six vehicles um, that we purchased that way. Uh, we used uh, an online uh, search uh, engine to find them. But I've, early on, we, we made out really well. We would compare prices across Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, uh, New Jersey. Um, I went as far recently this year as uh, Virginia to uh, pick a vehicle up. And historically, you know, we've, we've been able to pit dealers against each other um by by dealing over the phone and getting the bottom line price before even leaving the house uh, i will say the market though has changed uh since 2004 mm-hmm. quite considerably uh this, this year when when i bought my uh, most recent vehicle they were not willing to deal but but they did have the lowest price uh, on the vehicle that i was interested in so it the market has changed it's a little bit more difficult to deal with uh dealers and try to pit them against each other but yeah you, you have to call because they'll they'll tell you over the phone what the what the bottom line price is before you, know, you so it's funny and you, 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 i agree with you and I'll, I'll share a quick story with you so the last car that i bought i did exactly that i found it online i looked at it i had a lot of really good pictures so i said all right i, I kind of get what this is i was buying the third car of the same car i've had i've had that uh, since 1999 was the first one i got and you know, so I, I already know how these cars work. And I called them up and I, I, you know, I gave them a real hard pitch and I said, Hey, look, my name's blah, blah, blah. This is my credit score. I am, I'm coming in with this much to, to do this deal. Um, just don't play games with me cause I'm far away. It's almost two hours. I bought in Connecticut and, uh, and the guy, you know, he's, Oh, let me get you my manager. And the manager couldn't have been nicer. And he said, look, I don't want to waste your time. This is the deal. This is this. This is what it is. We did the whole deal on the phone. And I told him, I said, before I go there, we can do the whole credit app over the phone. And when I go there, I'm going there to pick up the car. And and that did work. And I was going to take the same approach for this one. But I realized I, there, there's different types of dealers out there, right? There's the, the honest ones and then there's the shady ones. And I knew this one was already sort of shady, but they had the particular car I was looking for. And not everybody has this car because, again, since you can't get them new in a lot of places, um, a lot of people are buying the later, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. If they find them, they're buying them. So I said, if they got the car, let me just go and, you know, see what type of deal I can put together. So I, I agree with you. I think that is the better way to go, and I should have done it. I just wanted to take my chance in person to see if I could, uh, you know, if, if there was any uh, wiggle room. I was, I was going to try and talk them down from the price they had, and apparently there was, there was no price like that. But I'm going to call them again and see what they say because I feel like it said that that advertisement was same as cash and that they would take that amount in cash if you were making a cash offer. So the girl told me there was no way in hell that you could get the car for that price because they didn't own it for that price. So that's the part that bothered me that I felt the whole thing was deceptive. But uh, good point, and uh, I will try and do that, try to kind of put the pit the dealers against one another as best I can to say, look, I, you know, I'll come pick it up tomorrow. Just let me know. Good idea, Frank. And I have found are pretty accurate. So usually when you find a dealer that has a number of poor ratings, 
uh, you just got to stay away from them because they, they do the bait and switch and they yeah. usually have the lowest price. And, you know, the old adage is if it's, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. hundred percent, you know, and that's yeah. shame on me. I didn't look at the, the dealer rating after I got home. I said, you know, let me check these clowns out. And there it was, they were like two and a half stars or almost three stars. And, um, and, and had some negative reviews of people saying, keep the car, I don't want it, they're dishonest, this and that. So, you know, I, buyer beware, right? I should have done a better job. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good lesson learned. And uh, where do you uh, have most of your success? And why are you buying in the Northeast? I, I mean, I get it that you're in New York, but why wouldn't you buy in like Florida or somewhere warm? Why wouldn't I buy down there? It's a long trip down there. Actually, in 2004, I was looking for a pretty difficult to come by pickup truck, and I actually called out to California to. And I'd, I'd made a number of phone calls to different dealers to try and find this vehicle, and I was mm-hmm. willing to pay pretty much anything for it reasonably. And I found one in in California, and the woman said, "I'm sorry, somebody just called on this, and he's actually uh, flying out to pick." I'm sorry, up Frank. The music means we got to go, but. Yeah, I just say no salt damage on those warmer cars because it doesn't snow over there and there's less potholes. But thank you for the tips. I appreciate it more on your call straight ahead on every topic. It's Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. All right, amigos, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you, and you just heard the phone number. Your calls are welcome. Uh, I want to continue this conversation with somebody in Richfield, Connecticut, WLAD. Let's go to Gary. What's up, Gary? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Mr. Valdez. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you, sir. And yourself? I'm uh, I'm not too bad either. Um, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say that, uh, if, um, if, uh, uh, Curtis Sliwa ran for any office that I could vote for, he'd have my, my, my vote in a heartbeat. Uh, I've I've always admired that guy. I think he's uh, absolutely terrific. And I think he speaks for a lot of people. I Um, agree. The, 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 uh, uh, the the second thing I wanted to tell you was um, I listened to your whole show tonight, um, I, I, which which I often do. Thank you. Um, but your your other um, uh, your other guest was uh, a lady named Jill Robin Payne. Oh, she's terrific. And she, yeah, I, I thought she was excellent too. Um, one of her uh, key pieces of advice seemed to be that when you uh, talk to somebody. Um, that um, is uh, uh, important to you or um, somebody that's important. It's for mm-hmm. whatever reason, it, it, it's nice to offer, uh, um, you know, a, a compliment to them. Yes. So I, I, I had made up my mind I was going to give you a call tonight. So um, when I heard that, I immediately began pacing back and forth, racking my brain, trying to think of something, uh, something nice to say to you. Oh, you don't have to say nothing um, nice to me. You said I had a good guest. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them. 
That's a twofer. Well, I, I, I came up with a short list, and I was wondering if you'd like to hear it. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, first of all, at the beginning of your show, you did a, uh, an impersonation of a helicopter, and I thought it was absolutely <laughs> excellent. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was, as I was doing it, I thought to myself, I wonder how many people are going to be turned off by my sound effects. <laughs> No, it was it was actually terrific, and um, you 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 get high grades for your impersonation uh, impression of a helicopter. Um, oh, thank number you, sir. two, you have excellent guests. Um, we try. Uh, uh, every, uh, just about every night, there, there's somebody really uh, really worth uh, uh, listening to, and somebody that um, that uh, you wish you could uh, talk to or listen to some more. And it, it, it's great to, uh, when you interview people, we, we kind of uh, get to know them uh, better and uh, I, I think get a better gauge of their, uh, their, their integrity, their, their character. And I think that is really a great service. So uh, you, you, you deserve credit for the, uh, the excellent guests that you have on. Well, Gary, uh, thank you. But I can't take all the credit, and I want to I make a quick comment about this, because A... Uh, a lot of this is, you know, the you know, whenever I delve into a biographical question about the, the guest and not so much about the topic or their expertise, this is uh, me, you know, borrowing a page from the Larry King playbook, right? Um, and and being super polite, which I'm not always, you know. Let me tell you, I was a New York radio host. And I had a lot of fights on the radio, a lot, <laughs> and uh, you know, but coming here to, um, to 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 cover Jimbo's show. Uh, I had to be very respectful and very, you know, really just give everybody a chance and a little bit less um, short tempered with people that maybe took longer time to make their point. You know, when you're on that New York speed uh, local radio, it's like, hurry up and make your point or I'm hanging up. And I realized, you know, you've got to just you got to there's a balance, right? Because if you leave them there too long, the whole audience in America is like, you know what? Listen. Either say it or don't say it or get out of here, you know, but uh, and you have to gauge, you know, how far you can go with that. So I've learned from those who've taught me, you know, uh, Mark Levin was an excellent mentor to me who's taught me that. And uh, himself, the man who is on with us tonight, Curtis Sliwa, taught me a ton when I started in radio. So I have to give all of those people kudos. And with respect to the guests, uh, Mr. Producer Rich Cementa is one of our bookers, uh, Bill Barnett uh, as well, and and the excellent guys that we have in the studio tonight, Count Delacula, Alex Hinton. Uh, All of these guys are moving behind the scenes, doing lots of stuff to make sure that what we do on the radio sounds good. So I'm glad that it sounds good. I really am appreciative of your comments, uh, but I can't take all the credit alone. Well, I, I think most of us out here in, in Radio Land uh, give you most of the credit anyway. But we also appreciate the uh, the hard work that your your staff does behind the scenes. We 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 know they're there. We we don't know them as well as we know you, but we we appreciate them very much as well. Um, oh, good. Me can too. I can I offer can I offer you my my last two points about you? Sure. Very go right quickly? ahead. Okay. Number three was that you have very intelligent callers. <laughs> Um, thank God for that. The, um, yeah, uh, very often the, uh, the the callers are really really interesting people uh, uh, to listen to. Their backgrounds and their their perspectives and, and their experiences is really worth hearing. 
So I, I, I wrote that down as number three. And number four, Mr. Valdez, I think you have an excellent sense of humor. Oh, my gosh. Thank God I've got something. Between that and this gorgeous head of hair that I have, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> oh, man, Gary, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't normally uh, allow people to go on and on about me saying nice things, but I, I appreciate it because it, you really did it in the context of the show. And to me, that is really the job that we're doing here. And, and I think the rest of the audience is listening to this conversation benefits from this as well, because my goal is really to try and make sure that, you know, as a radio producer before I was a host, I, ha I had a pretty decent Rolodex and I could get pretty decent guests because I had been working with them. So I realized, you know, as I started doing radio and, and, and having these people on my show, I needed to give people kind of like, you know, my angle was I'm the producer guy that worked in government that knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. Uh, so I'm going to have a different type of interview than you might get from some other talk radio host. And I, I felt like the only reason that's worth listening to is if I'm asking stuff that people really want to know, but yet also feel like they're part of this conversation and give them a unique look at these people, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the approach that I take. And I try to, I do it with the listener in mind. And again, that's something Bohannon taught me where he said, you know, you got to do this show for the listener. It's not for the caller. It's not for you. It's for the listener and all of the listeners. And um, and that was an excellent lesson. And it's something I'd heard before, but he really solidified it for me. So I'm, I'm grateful that you shared all of those points with me today, Gary. And uh, call back whenever you can. WLAD is a great station, by the way. You guys have an excellent morning show. I, I've been on there a couple of times. And uh, big shout out to everybody at WLAD and to you too, Gary. Thanks for the call. And we are going to, let's see, we're going to pause right here and we'll come back with the rest of your calls and the rest of the headlines. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. Matt in Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hello, sir. I'm Rich, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing uh, great, brother. It's Friday. Moorhead City. Excuse me? I said it's Friday. I love it when it's Friday. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, quickly. Your caller, Gary, is very correct. And what I wanted to say, which I told Tom, I'll edit it shortly. You got it's it. It's pretty weird that that Biden does not go to Pal East Palestine, Ohio, to do anything. But President Trump, at his own expense, went there and brought them water and, I believe, a thousand Big Macs. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? And then uh, what I loved was when he was at the McDonald's, he goes out of his way to tell all those people, listen, I know this menu better than you guys. Trust me. Believe me. I know this menu. <laughs> I said, how, it doesn't get more Trumpian than him telling you, I know the McDonald's menu better than you. <laughs> you're, you're right. And all at his own expense. And I was sharing a story privately, but I'll share it with everybody now. Uh, and we'll have him on the show. It's just hard to get him at night. Bruce Lavelle, he's an advisor to the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. And uh, he's a friend. <clears throat> he once met with uh, President Trump, candidate Trump, at Trump Tower for a meeting that they had with several people. 
and um, stuck around afterwards, you know, to shoot the breeze a little bit. And Trump tells him, um, you know, well, um, he tells Trump, listen, I got to go. I have to get back to Georgia. I flew up here just for this meeting. And Trump says, oh, get out. I'm going to Georgia, too. And he said, I'll give you a ride. Uh, and he's like, oh, OK. So he, they, they call the plane Trump Force One. Uh, so he gets on the big Trump plane and he says, you guys hungry? And we got plenty of food. And and him and the other guy that he's with, you know, they look at each other. And go, Yeah, sure. We're hungry. And he says, Rich, you got it. He's like, you get on this plane and the seatbelt buckles are like golden brass with, you know, the big T uh, engraved in the, the seatbelt buckle. He said, it's, it's a beautifully decorated plane. And he says, so I'm thinking when he says, are you hungry? I'm thinking, you know, what do I do? I tell him I want like a ribeye steak or, you know, I don't know what they've got on the menu, but I'm sure it's really good. And he said, and when, when the food comes, he said, man, it was all Big Macs, <laughs> Big Macs and fries. And uh, so apparently he even stocks the McDonald's on Trump Force One, which I thought was a great story. And if we ever have Bruce on, uh, I will make sure he gives you the all the details on that story. But you're right, Matt. Uh, he treated everybody to McDonald's. He brought 10,000 bottles of water uh, on his own dime, on his own time. Right. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. Well, we, we, um, I know you have millions of listeners, and I do too, but I, I don't have my own radio show. But since you talk to Trump, tell him that we all support him. Oh, I will. I will. And, and he promised he'd come back on soon. And I'm looking forward to that. He's he's a really fun person to talk to. And um, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I enjoyed our conversation as well. So thank you for the call, Matt. I do appreciate it. I'm going <clears> to <throat> let me see. Actually, I think I can squeeze in another one before they start banging on the door here. Let us go to Farentino in Pittsburgh. KDKA Farentino. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, a couple of comments. I want to tell you a short uh, salesman story. Uh, you know, they get these fees when you buy a car. One is uh, um, a document fee, and they act like that goes to the state. That doesn't go. That goes to them. Uh, and my uh, yeah. friend, even they try uh-huh. to get it for an advertising fee. An advertising fee. My goodness wow. gracious. Yeah, you know, it's but funny. I learned you. about this document fee. I noticed it once on a, on a car I bought, and it was like $300, and I was like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, I guess it's like mortgage. It's like a closing cost. You know, I was like, okay. But then I, I, I bought another car, and the it was like five or $600 in document fee. And I was like, you know, hold on. What document costs $600 to prepare? I was like, I've only been here for three hours. What is that, you know, 200 bucks an hour for document preparation? Can I get this job, right? Because it was just too much. And... Uh, I called a friend of mine who worked in the car business and he tells me, he goes, oh, no, document fee is just the difference of whatever they lose when they give you a discount on the car. They just make it back, you know, after they go, all right, we agreed on this number. Then we're just going to add tax, title, document fee, whatever. And that's where they make their money. And I was like, wow, that's crazy the way they just and you know, so ever since then, I keep my eye open for the document fee. And so you're, you're 100 percent right, Farentino. Did they get you for a heavy duty document fee? They tried to. Anyway, um, uh, I got a quick story. I went into a place to buy a car, and there was a girl, lady salesman with a short dress, beautiful. And I said, I am going to buy too much vehicle. She's my salesperson. So as a sales manager, I said, I want a fat, <laughs> ugly, bald, salt-gar-smoking salesman. He said, no problem. <laughs> the guy came up, and he goes, am I ugly enough? I said, you've exceeded my expectations. <laughs> Outstanding. 
<laughs> you aced it, brother. That's great. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the call. Don't go anywhere. There is more to come straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. with Rich Valdez. You're an illegal alien. You not only get free housing, you get a swag bag, you get an Obama phone, you get health care, you get education, you get everything. And if you're not happy in New York City, Eric Adams is doing reverse osmosis. He's saying, how would you like to go to a country where the asylum benefits are even better? We'll pay for you to go to Canada. That's Curtis Lee. He was our guest in the uh, hour number one, first hour, top of the program. And if you missed any part of that, check out America at Night, Rich Valdez, the podcast. Uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to the program again at the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. And that's Valdez with an S. Let us continue our calls straight across the country uh, Glenn in Freeland, Michigan. Go right ahead, sir. You're on with Rich Valdez. Um, thanks, Rich. Um, would you uh, tell us your uh, opinion about Ukraine? Uh, what and why do you think uh, we should be doing whatever there? Yeah, well, I, broadly speaking, I think that, you know, given what we know, right, mm -hmm. there's so much we don't know, so much we do know. But I, I think we need to come up with a strategy to get out of there and to neutralize Russia as best we can. Russia has to be stopped because Ukraine might be dirty and they might launder money and they might do a lot of things, but they're not Russia. They're not out there to take the world. They're not out there to get into bed with China. They're not out there to do a lot of things that Russia is. Russia is a, a principal adversary of ours and we have to never forget that. Like right now, with China calling for this ceasefire, that, you know, two days ago it was rumored that they were going to start providing lethal aid to, to the Russians to help them in their quest against Ukraine, which is really a quest against the West, a, a quest against the United States. You know, so it's a proxy war that we're fighting through Ukraine and Russia's fighting through, uh, China's fighting through Russia. So that can't be understated and we have to pay particular attention to it. However, the caveat here is that we can't just go and give them all the money in the world and just keep funneling money over there uh, willy-nilly, right? We have to we have to have a plan and we have to have a leader that assumes leadership and says, hey, look, no, no more. Like something that Trump would likely do and, and put people in their place and, and check them and call them out on their BS. And that's not happening. So it's a tough situation. But that's my my thinking is we, we can't allow uh, what the aggression of the Russians towards the Ukrainians to become uh, another World War II scenario, which I think it likely would become if, if um, without any intervention from the United States. And that's my thought there, Glenn. Thank you for your call. I want to go to Gary in Detroit, listening online, streaming, uh, Rich Valdez, com. Thanks for checking out the new website. Gary, go right ahead. Uh, Mr. Rich, um, all these bells and whistles on cars these days are driving up the cost. Oh, yeah. Because the government will bail out Ford and all these car companies when they go down and maybe should consider 
making their own cars and their own Model Ts if they if they have such an interest in getting people going. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the government owned a piece of General Motors and some of the other big car companies, which uh, I understand the, those those uh, debts were paid back. But, um, yeah, listen, I, I get it. And I feel like there's people within the government that uh, that are, you know, all in on Tesla and other electric cars. You know, there's a lot of going this way and going that way. I think we should have electric cars. If I could afford one and, and I had the utility for it, I, w- I would have a Tesla. You know, I think they're really cool cars, um, and I don't drive far or a lot, so I think you know, charging it wouldn't be a huge deal. But the the government's going to do what they do. I agree that there's way too much regulation, in particular the the corporate average uh, fuel economy, or what they call the CAFE standards, which ultimately made cars a little bit more dangerous because they made them lighter and uh, put people at risk. And again, it was the government that decided to do that. In 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 lieu of uh, making the car a little stronger and and more sturdy and safer, they said, you know, we're going to sacrifice a few a few dead Americans here and there just to um, make sure that the fuel economy is where we want it to be, and and that's a shame that that's how that happened. But that's exactly what's happened, and this is why we have to pick and choose our politicians carefully, Gary. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to Detroit and everybody listening on the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. You could stream the show live anytime, anywhere, from anywhere. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. We'll do it all again on Monday. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.